note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. This is a film that took the opening lines of That's Amore and decided to make a whole movie about it. A rom-com that is best described as rose-tinted black comedy and in many ways is full of the best of like filmic sensuousness. You got eggs in baskets and Italian pepples all sizzling in that frying pan. You got fizzes of sugar cubes when they're dropped into champagne, and the shine and warmth of fr- from freshly baked bread in hot basement ovens. Even the oatmeal in this film looks good. It's a film where desires influence every single frame. It's, it's, it could be the old couple in the moonlight reminding each other of their love. It's a sweaty and hairy Nick Cage tossing a table aside so he can pull you into his bed, or it's an old man feeding his faithful pack of dogs before himself or it's just sharing high heels and a black coat against the Manhattan skyline. It's Amore. And this is Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast where we're on adventure to watch a century cinema, decade by decade, year by year, and I am one host, half of your hosts, Liam Delaney. And I almost forgot what we say. <laughs> With me is my friend. Hello, I'm Oliver Jones. Hello. Hello. Live from set. That's what yeah, live, live from Leeds. <laughs> Leeds, I'm in Leeds. In Leeds, yeah, I've been living in Leeds for like the last three weeks, which has been interesting. I haven't really gone out to explore it. Actually, I'm not in Leeds. Well, I am. I'm in a little village called Morley, which is kind of, I think it's like south of Leeds. It's like just at the, just at the the, the cusp, the tip or the, the bottom of Leeds. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. And the, <laughs> the the pubs don't open until Wednesday, so what? they close like Monday and Tuesday. And like the nearest Morrison's is like a, a good mile and a half away. So. Yeah, you have probably wow. just. Wow, uh, yeah. that's, re- that's proper in the countryside, isn't it? Yeah, pretty. Although there is a, there's a cinema not too far away. You can walk 10 minutes and there is a cinema. So I think oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. The that is cool. And who's and that yeah. voice we can hear? <laughs> yes, it's me. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> It's Natalie Gardner here. <laughs> I was waiting for Liam to say it. It's Natalie. Yeah. I was waiting for Ollie to say it. Yes. You're the, you're the main host. You're the one who should do the introductions. That's why. Uh. I believe. <laughs> well, it's all good. I'm here anyway. So it's all fine. <laughs> Natalie, hello. <laughs> good to Yay. have you here again. Hello again. Hi, guys. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm live from Watford, so that's very... <laughs> We're like a triangle <laughs> over the country, actually. Me next to Wales. It's a big <laughs> big podcasting triangle. Yeah. Well, I guess wherever you are, really, it's usually a triangle if there's three of you, I'm guessing. Good point. Holly, <laughs> 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 just squashed that idea. I was like, oh, yes, you're in a triangle. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> He's completely right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Just tracking triangle. He lives. He lives in. He Where lives podcasts in his, um, go to die. <laughs> careful, careful! If you enter it, you might lose the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, how are you doing, Natalie? What have you been up to? 
Yeah, I'm fine. I've been busy working at the theatre, um, mm, which has good. been, yes, it, it is good, although we were closed on, uh, so the reason I've been at home with my cats today uh, is because we were closed on, um, oh gosh, it's all such a blur, on Monday, so um, yeah, so we we didn't have a show on Tuesday, so yeah. Um, so it's been a bit of a shock. It's been lovely to be so busy and we've done so well to keep going for so long. And then unfortunately we were stopped because of COVID and pinging and things. So, uh, but oh, we'll be back again it, soon. So yeah, oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, we'd managed to keep going for so long and we, you know, but it was just this ping thing is crazy. So yeah, it you know, once it gets into, um, you know, once it gets into casts and, you know things like that but everyone has to go off so yeah so i'm now uh i'm off for a few days um okay. but yeah but it has been lovely to be back and yeah, you know have the shows open and you know it's been so good so we'll be back again on thursday so it's all fine oh, okay so not too long yeah no no it's all good it's all good so yeah just been busy with that um you know managing the theater and uh yeah it's been fun it's always have- fun so. I have noticed that my emails are starting to get invites for shows again, like booking yeah. Yeah, so. and stuff like that. So that's really cool. I think I noticed, I don't think it's your, your theatre, I apologise, but I think I noticed they're doing cabaret somewhere. Um, oh, yes. Playhouse. Yeah. Playhouse. That's it. Thank mm. you. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I definitely think I'll buy a ticket for that. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be amazing. I think it's got um, Eddie Redmayne and Jesse yeah. Buckley, which would that's be incredible. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I definitely want to go and see that. So yeah, that's on Playhouse is really the Playhouse is like quite quite a unique theatre. If I remember, isn't there kind of like the stage setup? It's kind of weird there or something. I've never been, um, but maybe it's just set it's, up for this show. Differently. I think it's set up for this show slightly differently. Um, and they are having, I don't know if they're doing it in the round this time because it was normally the Playhouse is just you know proceeding March normal kind of setup. But I okay. don't know if they're doing it slightly different for this show. And I know they're having like tables in the auditorium so it's going to be a little bit more like you're actually in the yeah uh, like the club and stuff so yeah so that'd be great and cool. um, yeah it's going to be really good immersive kind of show by the sounds of from what i'm hearing so yeah it'd be a really yeah. good one yeah so, yeah oh brilliant yeah no, it'd be good to see there's a few there's a few good ones coming mid on rouge is coming and back the future's oh, really? coming okay. yeah so <laughs> so yeah i, did, so I, I watched a clip of the back to the future one the guy sounds so much like marty mcfly it's unreal i know so, him like, as well I do. yeah yeah he worked with me for a while he's a lovely guy so yeah wonderful so yeah. I, I, I do want to see that and it's weird that it started in in manchester or whatever of all places mm. like before well, like even america or it opened London. in manchester well wow. yeah i think so you find that though lately they're getting more of the um new musicals are getting kind of out of town in the uk sort of runs and then they'll come into the west end or you know so um even maybe even before broadway so yeah it's quite it's quite cool really that that's happening it's I suppose the where there's a to open like that and to kind well of iron, it could be that or the arts council's like putting a lot of funding because they want people uh, to go maybe. to that yeah definitely and i suppose um it, i mean things always test before they come into the west end anyway so a smaller sure. slightly smaller state it's might slightly smaller well, stage Broadway, or it, you know yes. yeah it's that kind of you know they have a bit of a test and then they come to the west end and then they do a big press opening and it gets yeah. all the attention and stuff like that so um it's just a time to iron out any any little things that 
you know, and then to change things as well. You can still change things whilst it's in that kind of environment. And Juliet yeah. tested it, um, was in Manchester for a few weeks before it went down to, came down to the West End as well. So, and we went up to see it actually. It was really good fun to go up there. And yeah, I mean, not that they changed much. It was basically the same thing, but yeah, <laughs> they, they do it quite a lot, you know. Um, no, it's, it's kind it's of cool. worthwhile looking out for though, isn't it? I bet the tickets are slightly cheaper maybe and it's kind of yeah. fun to see something a bit earlier. Like, definitely but if it's in preview still it'll be a bit cheaper so yeah yeah so that's a good way to do it i still wish i got to see that spider-man musical it looked insane i know we talked about it before but <laughs> look at it it's just so you know i never saw it i never saw it it was it was massive in in broadway wasn't it like i remember like loads of people talking about it and stuff. i don't it think it ever opened amazing. properly it was like it just kept getting rewritten and rewritten and eventually they were just like i think so many the the guy who played they had a few people playing spider-man and they kept getting injured yeah there's a good uh, there's a good youtube yeah. channel actually i can't remember what it's called i wish i could just say it but he he actually deals with it's called he does like what went what went wrong and he deals with kind of stage shows about like okay, okay. Um, about the whole history of them, how they opened, and you know the production on the stuff. He's got a really good Spider-Man one. He's got a really good, um, oh, what he's got a really good uh, SpongeBob one. Uh, it was a SpongeBob musical. Yeah, it's huge. This is actually like what, what? went right. He was actually analysing <laughs> it to say like why it's such a good adaptation and why it was so big. Um, oh, and uh, cool. it's I really recommend it actually if anyone who likes theatre. He's he really knows what he's on about and he really digs into the history of the shows and things. Oh, sounds really good. Yeah. Let's check him out. So how are you doing, Liam, anyway? You alright? I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had anything to report. I can't pretend. I'm very boring. I've been working out loads and my body hurts. Does that count as a report? Oh. That's good. Well done. <laughs> pumping That's amazing. The iron. Well, not pumping iron. <laughs> <laughs> my friend my, my friend Pass and I, we've been going on um like doing uh videos like chat and playing a workout and both doing it to kind of encourage each other to work out. Oh, so okay. we've been doing that for a couple of weeks. That's really good. We've been, t- tomorrow's, tomorrow's the skip day. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I'm sitting, sitting here in pain a little bit, to be honest. It's a good pain. Feel the burn. Yeah. It's good pain. Good pain. <laughs> no, it's, it is good though. To, the gyms are starting to open up again as well, aren't yeah, they? they that's are, always, yeah. That's all. Yeah, it's nice to sort of get back to getting actually doing some exercise and not just being <laughs> yeah. on the sofa for a year or whatever we did <laughs> well, yeah, nice, even so everything's opening up i've barely moved further than my room still <laughs> like it's so stupid <laughs> been to the cinema i did that and oh yeah what did you go and see yeah i went to see suicide squad at the cinema ah i saw that too Ooh. do we what go into think? what we watched then now i said that yeah sure let's i just... uh I really loved it, honestly. I know, I've heard the detractors and I've heard what people say. <laughs> but I am really, really, really loved it. I um, thought it was great. I had such a fun time with it. And um, I know that there's a bit of sag in the middle, but it just felt like a... It just felt like a, I don't know, a high-budget trauma film to me, frankly. And I just had a really good fun time with it. That's cool. That's good. That's I mean, good. I was a little bit mixed on it. Like, I thought... The- Beginning was okay. The middle, I was a bit bored by. Mm. Then the ending, I thought was great. When like, like I'll put a spoiler warning beforehand. But uh, oh, are you going to go and watch it, Natalie? I might do now. You've said that because I wasn't right. so keen to. But that's fine. I'll, I'll refrain I, from honestly, spoilers. But um, 
I just felt <laughs> I just spoiling it. A lot happens. I just felt like Idris Elba's character. Yeah, I just felt like Idris yeah, Elba's yeah. character was pretty much Will Smith's character. There was no difference really. And um so I don't know why they just didn't have it as Deadshot anyway and just recast it. But um it's it felt like the same character. I think um, Idris Elba explicitly said irritated. he wouldn't play that character. I think I read that. I think that there might have he been an idea the exact that they did same want character, to though, even with the even with the daughter issues and stuff like that, the same same beats is weird. Um and Harley Quinn I just found quite irritating. Like a a lot of the jokes in the film didn't quite land for me. Which is weird because I thought, you know, Guardians I thought was great and, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Super and Slither, like James Gunn's earlier films. But, yeah, just some of the jokes just didn't quite land for me. But I thought King Shark was amazing. Uh, <laughs> Ratcatcher 2 was a great character. I um, love Ratcatcher 2. I was really sad that Boomerang didn't quite make it past the first five minutes. That's a spoiler, Ollie. Yeah, well, I'll put a little... Because... <laughs> You know, he's a Flash villain and he's down a villain now for his own franchise, but I'm sure they can bring him back and no one will give a shit. I am. Um, um, I was a really big fan of um, just just the general vibes of it, like rather than it just being like joke heavy. I loved like John Cena, I thought was really funny and just like perfect casting for that role, really. It's the best I've ever seen him used in anything um, and just kind of going against the grain of his own, like, you know, his kind of image is always like, like truth and justice kind of thing but kind of twisting that to the nth degree of being like truth and justice to to an extreme level i just thought that was good uh yeah he was okay pretty well for me i thought dave dismolsham was really good as um polka dot man yeah he was yeah um and like it like like later on in the film you see harley quinn kind of how she sees things with like all cartoons and stuff like that and I thought they could have gone a bit further with that. Like, mm. you know, it was a bit more Disney and I thought it'd be, it should be more Looney Tunes and a bit more <laughs> wild and weird. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was okay. It was definitely better, miles better than the first one. Oh, it goes without um, saying, yeah. But I actually liked um, uh, Birds of Prey. I actually really enjoyed that yeah. film. So, and I thought they're probably on par with each other, I think. It was basically like, for me, it was just another one of these fun DC films, which were the kind of fun DC films that we were promised they would be. Yeah. And like and finally they're just doing it, these fun superhero films. They don't need to change the world or anything like that, but they're fun, solid films. I'd put this up against anything in like I put this up against most of Marvel is what I mean. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, I mean it feels more like a film. It's it's kind of got that they've kind of got a seventies vibe to it. It's very like high contrast yeah. key lighting and stuff like that. And um there's definitely pacing issues and one of the decisions it makes in the film to keep kind of um, almost keep trying to reintroduce itself is what it does. It keeps kind of resetting. Um, it's a joke in the film, but it does damage the pacing of it a yeah. little bit. And I think that's that's kind of noticeable um, to, to enjoying it. But I just couldn't be, I just was shocked how much I was having a good time. I realized halfway through it, I'm just I was just sitting there staring up at it not like and half of it probably watching it in the cinema helped, I was going to you know? say is that because de- I watched it at home so I'm guessing like it'd be just things. different experience yeah. yeah yeah totally so maybe like maybe it's recency bias on just or seeing it in cinema bias but um, I just had a, such a good time with it I mean seeing it uh, <laughs> it's good see- that sounds great because yeah I wasn't expecting much from it so yeah I might go and see it now in cinema because it mean- does sound fun I never I thought, thought I'd thought, see yeah. a 200-foot Starro in a film. No. So that no. was pretty cool. 
I thought they did Star Egg good as well. Yeah, I was definitely. proud of it. Yeah. Uh, and just, it seemed to be just so many people having fun. I love Capaldi seemed to be having a good time, you know, just hamming it up and stuff. Um, <laughs> I, this, I just enjoyed that kind of element of it. Like, um, it seemed to be a good time, <laughs> if that I mean, makes sense. Like, I think Viola view, Davis as well. My view may have been a bit dampened because Caroline wasn't enjoying it at all. And I think sometimes if... Oh, that would wear, the, yeah. The people yeah. who you're... Like, no, no offence to Caroline, she doesn't like it, that's totally fine. But sometimes if someone doesn't like it, you kind of... It's like there's nothing worse as well. Like when it's one of your favourite films or whatever and you, <laughs> you show it to your friend for the first time, you're like, you're watching them and they're... Like hoping they'll love it as much as you, and then they just they don't. Well, that yes, that's so true. I had that with the Godfather. I'm showing it to Andy, and he was like, eh, "It's all right." <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes I couldn't understand like, things. <laughs> sometimes you can feel it like psychically, can't you? Like they're not yeah. doing anything, but you can sense it like oh, coming yeah, off it's, them. Yeah. <laughs> it oozes out of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. I'll definitely go and check it out now, though, because that just sounds good. Yeah, I would. I honestly would. It's a really fun. I found it really fun and just really different. And as I say, it felt like a, it did feel like a big budget trauma film. Like it was not. It's <laughs> not a Marvel film. It's it is gory and sweary and explicit and everything like that. And whilst like it's kind of letting James Gunn kind of do what James Gunn wants to do, basically, I think mm. in a lot of ways. And I thought it quite worked. Although. Yeah. Talking to James Gunn, we have to two seconds just to talk about his obsession with Martin Scorsese. How <laughs> like, oh, is he still getting on news? about that? No, what's is, what's is it to do with his Marvel quote from like when he was doing when uh, the oh, what the what the fuck the Irishman came out and he was kind yeah. of he was just trying to get he was just trying to if I remember Martin Scorsese was just trying to like get in the public consciousness by talking about Marvel just so he could kind of promote Irishman at the same time. If I remember that's what That's what James Gunn was accusing him of. If you read the quote, right. it's just he was asked in an interview about Marvel and he went, I don't care about Marvel. Right, okay. like, That's basically all it was. And like James Gunn has not got over it. And like even like he was promoting this film, he was on podcast talking about how like you know, Martin Scorsese is just jealous that we're opening bigger and like, and he just wanted to kind of feed off our kind of promotion because no one cares about his films or something like that. It's like, it's like <gasps> dude, he's, he's Martin Scorsese. Yeah, he doesn't do need not. you. He, he <laughs> probably doesn't think about you. <laughs> like, but also, The Irishman was a Netflix film. It wasn't like it was after box office revenue. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's really silly. Weird. It's just like he's like a seventy-year-old man who's made some of the best films ever made. It's just yeah, he's he's not like, worrying about it, love. Get no, over it. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, he's not losing any sleep over that one. It's like poking it's really the bear, funny. watch it, or Marty will snap. <laughs> He'll send the good fellas out on him. Yeah, make it so <laughs> make another nice little pleasant film about New York. Yeah. <laughs> what is Marty doing? Actually, what is Marty's next film going? Oh, it's got Brendan Fraser in, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh yes, there's been talk yeah. about that, hasn't it? It's Brendan Fraser's big comeback or something, isn't it? Oh, it's gonna be good. Yeah. Well, it's not his he's he's already coming back. It's already it's, it's already started. Mm. But um like there's aren't there memes about him, like his reaction to people being really like happy about his return and stuff, and he's yeah, like, yeah, he's that's what I've been seeing, and yeah, he's been that's really, really nice. about it. Yeah, bless him. He looks so sweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, he's absolutely true. Like anything anyone says is true. I think for our kind of generation, for some reason, he represented so much that we saw on screen. <laughs> like yeah. he was just mm. everywhere. He was, and he just and he just seemed to kind of have that kind of 
energy on screen that everyone was related to. So I'm, I'm going to say this now. Me and Liam have always rung the bell for Brendan Fraser. It's like we always ring the bell for Keanu Reeves when everyone was like turned their back. Oh on yeah, him. no, totally. And it's like, yeah. and now everybody's on the Keanu Reeves train. Everyone's on the. Brendan Fraser train, so. <laughs> I've always been on the Keanu Reeves train, always, the whole life. I don't think I've ever got off it. But yeah, I mean, for acting, maybe. You're, you're on the yeah, bus. You want to say the Keanu Reeves bus? That's yes, exactly. I'm on the Keanu Reeves bus. I wish I was on the Keanu Reeves bus. But yeah, no, yeah I love I've Keanu Reeves. Never slowed down. No. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he was on a train at the end of Speed, so it does kind of work. Was he? Yeah, 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 yeah he was yeah. on a train. Yeah. God. I don't think I remember the end of that film then. <laughs> yeah, he's having a fight with Dennis it? Hopper on the top of the train and he gets beheaded on top of the train. Spoilers oh, for speed. Gosh, I, for- uh, I, I forgot that know. bit. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought I kind of think it ends at the airport. Oh, I've <laughs> seen speed so many times. Like I can't even count how many times I've seen speed. <laughs> it's a good film. It's I didn't that. It was huge as well. It's a yeah. weird thing that was just one of the biggest films yeah. to come out that year. Well, Natalie, have you watched anything recently? Um, I watched uh, quite a good film the other night, but actually I, I really enjoyed it, called Run. It's on Netflix, um, and it's uh, Sarah Paulson, who I absolutely love. Ooh, I love Sarah Paulson. Oh, she's so good in this. And um, and a young actress called Kira Allen, who I'd not seen in anything before. Um, but, yeah, it's like a thriller. It's really suspenseful. It's about a... Um, like a mom and daughter and the daughter is uh is a wheelchair user and uh she's yeah but they, they seem very close she's homeschooled it, it just all seems very normal they live in a nice house in america and you know they're they're having a you know just a normal relationship but as it goes on you see that actually the mom is completely crazy and is actually keeping her like a prisoner and okay. and, it, and it gets more and more intense and and it does that thing that I think Sarah Paulson is just really good at it just she can build her intensity in her characters so well and it just throughout I mean she's just brilliant in it and throughout the throughout the film it just gets more and more it just spirals into sort of chaos but both of them are brilliant in it it's basically just them um it's the two actresses are basically the whole film but but yeah it's great I definitely recommend it it's definitely worth worth watching and I really enjoyed that so and it's one of those ones where you actually jump as well you, ooh, <laughs> you know um so yeah some really good moments of of tension and yeah no it's really cool so it sounds like one that. of those kind of mid mid kind of budget thrillers that used to be yeah. just kind of bread and butter everywhere yeah, no, but now just yeah they just kind of sit on Netflix and you need to be told like word of mouth about them like someone yeah. needs to kind of tell you they exist otherwise well, you don't like, know what was the Stephen yeah. King one that came out a few years ago is it Jerry's Game like is, is it? Oh. I thought Jerry's game yeah. was the chess game. Is it? <laughs> With the Pixar short. No. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, uh, that so- run is directed by Anish, Anish Chandri, I think his name yes, is. Yes, that's it. Did you yeah, see Searching, yeah. his first film? Because I really, really rate that. Oh, like, no, I, I haven't actually. I don't think so. Searching. Re- searching, yeah. It's, oh, um, oh okay. the one with... Um, John Cho. Yeah, I was going to say Harold. And- yeah. No, he's not Harold and Kuma. What am I on about? <laughs> it's John Cho anyway. What was John Cho? You know in? what? I'm He's saying I haven't Trek. seen it. I've just He's looked in... it up and I have seen this film and it's brilliant. I loved it. It is, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. It's when his daughter goes missing and he yeah. and he's like, yeah, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. And it's oh, all I didn't kind of it's all him. kind of on the the um 
computer screen and yeah. it's all like him going through like logs and films and videos and, and emails it was and stuff so like clever that. i thought it was yeah. such a, i thought it was such a concept because i remember when i still first started watching it and i thought oh gosh i'm not gonna like this this is kind of a bit it's a bit jarring and then i got so into it and i thought yeah, it was such too. a clever such a <laughs> yeah. clever way of of doing the whole search of oh it was brilliant yeah i love that no. oh i didn't realize it was the same director yeah john really john good. cho is in harold and kumar isn't he he is yeah 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 <laughs> he's Harold, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? <laughs> so you know you, you were talking about Sarah Paulson, Natalie. Mm. You do you watch American Horror Story? Do you know what? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen so, it. I saw her in the OJ Simpson trial, you know, that the, Well that's I think that's made by the same like Oh the same, the same people. Yeah, it's kind of like an offshoot, isn't it? It's called like American Murder Story, or isn't it? Like, and then the gentleman it's like an offshoot. Because they've done uh, didn't they do Versace as well? Yeah, they did. Oh yeah. yes! Oh, that yeah. was really good as well. So they kind of yeah. have a lot of crossover actors on both of those and stuff like that. The um, I thought the OJ one was pretty good. I, I loved mean, it. I yeah. mean, not as good as that um, epic documentary series that was on like BBC iPlayer for ages, and it was about yeah, seven that, episodes, it, and it was like that six-hour or something. Yeah. Like that documentary on OJ is amazing. It really is good, and wow. I didn't think I'd sit through it, but I really liked it. Oh, I might have to look that up then because I found it so interesting. But yeah, no, um, I thought she was brilliant in that, in the trial of O.J. Simpson, but I haven't seen an American Horror Story. Should I watch that then? Um, <laughs> Caroline really always watches them, but then kind of trails off like after five episodes. And I'm, I, I always have to watch things to the end, so I end up then watching the rest of it. And like, oh, okay. it's the campiest, cheesiest thing you can watch. It's never scary or anything like that, but it's... Yeah. I don't know. They ha- they always have like interesting starts, and I always kind of get invested. But then it always kind of fumbles it towards the end. It's like it just doesn't know how to end. And every series, because every series is like a different story, and oh, okay. uh, they, but they just have reoccurring actors. And sometimes they will a character from series one will appear in series five or six or whatever. So they're kind of it's, I don't know. It's a bit of a multiverse, which Liam loves that word. Um, <laughs> of, a, of like a horror anthology TV series. Ooh, I did I like season one a lot. Yeah. And that's the only well, one I watched, really. We just watched Apocalypse, which is, it kind of is a mixture of the third series, which is The Witch's Coven, and then the first series, which is in the Haunted House. Yeah. And it's about the, it's kind of the mixing of those two together. Huh. Oh, okay, but, cool. Always so, oh, up for Sarah Paulson. She's great oh. in the Ocean's 8, is it? I think, yeah, Ocean's 8, yeah. She's just so good. I think she, she's one of those people that I watch and they just think, oh, I want to be like you. <laughs> she's just so, I just love to watch her. And and in this, she's she's just brilliant. And she kind of, it's basically just her. Um, and, and also Kira Allen, who actually is brilliant as well. Um, but I've never seen her in anything before. But yeah, it's just it's just really nice to see. Um, and I'd say the ending was a, I wasn't convinced by the ending, but that was literally like the last few minutes. But up until that point, I thought it was a really good film. So yeah, okay, that's one I would look at. I'm definitely yeah. would check that out. I like kind of that mid mid budget thrillers and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and, I also um, um I also went to cinema to see uh, the new M Night film as well. Old, old. Oh, oh yeah, how was that? Oh, you've got to get old. Everyone's got to get old. Go to the cinema and see old. No, I'm getting old. Don't I know it? <laughs> so good. It's a bit. Fr- so I mean, good. the whole concept just is quite frightening. But yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, that's a good 
thing, I guess, because it's one of the things we're the most scared of, isn't it? Everyone isn't it based on a yeah. comic book? It's based on a French comic book, yeah. Right. Um, called Sand Castle, I think it's called. Uh, well, in French. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, the, the comic's a lot less... It's it's it is horror filled because the concept horror filled, but the sand ca- the sandcastle of the comic is a lot more kind of introspective than the film is. Um, but okay. the film manages to pull out those little kind of threads of the comic as well and make it about like quite touching and quite um, I don't know kind of kind of I want to say deep without sounding funny because it's like you know horror film, but to, to kind of like to investigate your relationship with growing old almost mm. like and it allows those little elements into the plot and um it's it's just such a good time and m knight's a g like i'm such a defender of m knight and mm. he when he knows what he's doing and when he has like such a little kind of bottle kind of film like this it, he's perfect for that like he's perfect for that claustrophobia perfect for that kind of little kind of story um mm. and this all takes place in that kind of claustrophobic bottled kind of environment and and I think he's really good at that. And to just throw, throw you some characters, throw you a, a plot, throw you a kind of setup, and just let him kind of play with it. And he he's um he's doing stuff with the camera in this as well that I haven't really seen done in horror films before. It's um very flowy, uh, but and that's important to the way the kind of story gets told. It's not like jump scares. It's very flowy scares. It's uh, it's interesting. Flowy scares. <laughs> Flow, that's yeah, flow scared. Yeah. Like, it's a flow scared. It, it's hard for me to describe it without showing you what I meant, but I, I would really recommend yeah, yeah. seeing it. Like really Chate- Chateau de Sable. That's, Is that what uh, it's called? Sandcastle. <laughs> Sandcastle in French. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really but, good, though. Honestly, it's really good. I mean, the the most recent of his films I've seen is uh, is it The Visit. Oh, did you not watch Glass? No, but the visit kind of offended me. I think we've already talked about it. On yeah, it, we did talk but about it. But it kind yeah. of upset me yeah. a bit. Just um, made me kind he's of angry. Got, but. He's got a little bit of issue in kind of demonising mental illness. Yeah, and I, um, that kind of annoyed me. Which but. is a bit of a horror trope, let's just say. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I feel that in Split as well a little bit. Um, there's too much... Um, use of trauma as a plot device mm. i guess is the way to put it uh but um but still i'm i'm quite a defender of him i think he knows what he's doing and like i still like unbreakable six sense signs even oh, yeah. the village which there's debatable character in the village um and even lady in the water i'm a big defender of i know people think that movie's awful but i really love that film what about the happening um, when he talks to plants hey, n- not so much <laughs> 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 and we won't we forget last airbender exists but like uh hey, what about think, the other one with his with will smith um after earth after yeah earth. that one's just boring he didn't write it it's not an m night film it's a will smith film and it's just boring <laughs> fair enough but yeah but apart from that he's i think i really like him and i think he always does something quite unique when he goes and makes a film and it, mm. and that's good so Right. And he's fucking young still. It was ridiculous how young he was when he broke, when everyone was calling him the next Spielberg. How old is he? Now, he's, he was born in 1970, so he's only just 51, I think. Wow, yeah, that's it impressive. Feels like, when you think how long, it, it feels like he's been around forever. Well, forever, most yeah, of our adult life, 20 yeah. plus years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah that's amazing. 
so hopefully he'll still got loads to loads to do as well i would have loved to see him make like um life of pi i think would have been such a good film for him um i know ang lee's version is still good but i just think he would have done a really good job of it so i'm, I'm just always quite excited to see what was he, he does was he in contention it. to direct it then he definitely was, yeah. But it was in that sh- it was in the fallow period, you know, the happening and stuff like that, when people were just like, oh, he's washed up, he can't make films, and mm. right. I think that was just really unfair to him. Like, it, it's that whole deal. As soon as it, if you someone bright like burns as so bright, and then it has a bit of a like, fallow period, people are just like, you're rubbish, go away. And he's, he's mm. not rubbish. He knows what he's doing. He just <laughs> made some crap films. That's fine. <laughs> I think that's the thing. There has to be a bit of a. Oh, I know it's difficult when you're talking millions and millions of pounds of budget, but there's got to be a little yeah, bit of space yeah. for creative wanderings, even if they aren't always the best thing you've ever made. You, you, every, you know, they've got to have room for that exper- sort of experience. Otherwise, you're never going to get the next best thing. It's sort of like you say, having something a bit unique and trialing out different techniques and stuff. That there's got to be space for that, even with these big budget yeah. films you yeah know? definitely mm. and it's just like i think like most of the time when he fails he's trying he, it's when he's trying to do something he thinks will be popular rather than just trying to do something he thinks will be a good film and i think mm. like the happening and after earth and last airbender are very much him trying to do something he thinks will make box office um yeah yeah the last airbender rather than, sure. rather than yeah. just going i can do this i've got this story i'll do it this way and I think that's a better fit for him. And I think that's probably with quite a lot of filmmakers, to be honest, that kind of push and pull between trying to do what, you know, you or the producers or the studio are telling you is going to be popular or you just doing what you feel like you should do. Is I think that's always probably a fight. Yeah, I think so. And the best ones are when you just follow their, in, you know, their instincts on the first, first, you know, outing instead of just trying to please everybody else. The best stuff has probably come from that initial drive passion so yeah probably anyway what have you watched dolly um yeah i've only watched two films um and they're both re-watches so i uh re-watched uh the cable guy starring jim carrey okay. directed by ben stiller i love this film so much i think <laughs> just so much nostalgia is tied up into that film like buying the cd soundtrack and stuff like that and being influential to a lot of the bands i, st- I still listen to to this day um, but I think Jim Carrey's wonderful in it. He's so good in it. Like, yeah, I think he's great. He it? is. Just... Yeah, he's so unique. He's one of those unique characters that I don't know why. He sort of, I suppose that sort of acting or that sort of character went out of fashion a bit. But he's yeah, mm. he's, he is very good at what he does. It's, you know. Well, I mean, black comedies have never really. You know, they've never been massive box office successes, but I think it still made over $100 million. But I think the big thing about this film was that he was it was the first $20 million paycheck for a film, I think. And a lot of That's people like, turned on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, God knows what that is in today's money. You know, like that film is like nearly 25 True. years old. I think it is 25 years old. Um, But yeah, and it's, you know, the way he talks about the internet and how it's going to be, it's exactly what it is now. It's like, it's quite (laughs) foretelling, you know what I mean? Like what you can do and stuff like that with the internet. But yeah, uh, the other film I watched was uh, Christine, directed by John Carpenter. Ooh, John Carpenter. I absolutely love it. That's one of the Carpenters I've never seen. Oh, it's such a good film. I mean, it's been a long time 
since I'd seen it. So I thought, oh, it's time for a revisit. And it's like one of those rewatches where you don't, I couldn't remember what happened in it. But then when I was rewatching yeah. it, I was like to, to come back to it. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's about this kind of nerdy guy that um, he's got a best friend who's like a jock, but he's kind of like a cool jock. He doesn't like disown his friend when he's at school and stuff. He sticks up for him and stuff like that. You know, he's got a car and stuff like that. He's driving his like geeky friend Archie around everywhere. But then Archie sees this car and you see this car at the beginning, like a little bit like pre-credits thing where it's coming off the conveyor belt and like several people get murdered like in the... Like where the, you know where the car plant or whatever where this Cadillac's being built, so there's obviously something wrong with this car, and um, but like Archie sees it for sale and he kind of falls in love with this car and as the film progresses he kind of like the car and Archie start to feed off each other and they kind of you know they start to, you know he starts to become like a cool kid who like kind of gets with the the good looking girl at school and that but it kind of gets a bit darker and darker until you know they start doing a murder spree <laughs> um <laughs> as you do but like there's an amazing sequence in this like there's amazing practical sequence in it where like because christine can kind of like rebuild herself the car the car is called christine and um but they like use like reverse uh, footage so they'll kind of like pull a car in like with like hydraulics and stuff like that but then they'll play it reverse like it's building itself back up again after it's been destroyed and stuff like that. And okay, yeah. This, the scenes of it, like, on fire, like, driving down the motorway on fire or freeway, wherever it's called in America. Um, it's just such a, it's such a great film. And um, it's based on a Stephen King book. And I think mm-hmm. in the book, there's actually a dead body in the back of the car, which is actually kind of what's possessing the car, but that's not evident in the film. But also in the book, I think the body that's in the back of the car is a serial killer that's in the Stephen King universe that is also the same serial killer that um, possesses Cujo in the book Cujo, which makes (laughs) Cujo become a killer dog. Whereas in the film of Cujo, they they completely omitted that. It's just a rabid dog. (laughs) But um, it's it's got a great score as well, like one of those classic Carpenter kind of synth scores and stuff. Did he do it himself as well? I think so. And like, like he is just a master. The camera work in this film, it looks, yeah. you know, this film is like 40 years old now. I think it's the same age as me. No, it's not. It's, it's, I'm 37. What am I talking about? It's about, it's about 37 years old. And, um, but it looks amazing. It just looks so beautiful. And his camera work is incredible. And, you know, that's also down to the DP. But, um, I think there's a legitimate argument to say that he's the most ahead of his time director that's ever existed. Like, well, I was going to say, like... I, I think, think every the, single one of his films are ahead of his time. I was going to say, in the in the 80s, I think no other director in that decade had a better run of films than he did. No. Like, not even no. Spielberg had a run of, like, yeah. classic films, you know, like, so you've got The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, Christie, uh, oh, you've got... a. Uh, uh, Escape from New York. Um, what else is in there? There's loads of it. Uh, Prince Star- of Darkness. Starman. Starman. They're all great. Starman's like legitimately one of the best films made. Yeah, it's, like, it's a it's, great film. It's crazy. And it's crazy how you make something like Starman in what? When did you make Starman? 84, I think. It's just like, and yeah, it's the one after Christine you make Starman. 
and that's one of the most hopeful films ever made. It's so like it's so delightful and hopeful in its message. And then two years later, he makes uh, Prince of Darkness, <laughs> which is one of the most cynical and nihilistic films that's ever been made. But it's... he just has such these big swerves. And then after Prince of Darkness, obviously they live and they live another really yeah. cynical and really, really, really kind of cutting film. He's he's an absolute master, honestly. And I'd say even from like Halloween, Halloween seventy eight, he does Halloween. Oh yeah, like, excluding like TV ones, Halloween Fog, Escape from New York. It's just he's so good. It's honestly, just a he's shame. So amazing. In the nineties, he just couldn't. I don't think he could grapple with like the changing of the way films were made because you know. Mm. It was it was definitely a deterioration in quality of the films he made. I mean, it could be the fact that he just didn't care anymore or what. I don't know. He was too busy playing video games and watching basketball and smoking cigars. <laughs> uh, just enjoying his life. <laughs> so have you watched anything else? I just want to say with them, John Carpenter, uh, oh, yeah. I've so I've never seen Christine, which I keep meaning to watch, but I've never seen The Ward, which is his last film. It don't, so, don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am because um, literally... That's that's um, who Blank Check are doing. They are they just doing John did, Carpenter? Yeah, so Dark Star oh, was the episode shit. that just came out. And so they're doing John Carpenter now for the rest of the year. So I'm really, really looking forward to going through those films again. As you nice. say, I've seen them all apart from two of them. But I'm really looking forward to just going through them all again. And Dark Star as well. I think when I watched that as a kid... I thought it was a serious sci-fi. <laughs> yes. And then watching it as an adult, it's like, no, this is a comedy. What the hell am I <laughs> like? <laughs> It's like written by Dan O'Bannon, isn't it, as well? I Dan think. O'Bannon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, um, really fun. Dan O'Bannon basically had like a mental breakdown because of this film and he never let it go. Like, it was his kind he know, of. Like... He never let anything go. Like, well, yeah. And rightfully so with like <laughs> Alien and stuff like that. He was well, yeah. fucked around on a lot of things, but like. But even with all his alien millions, he still kept on going back to Dark Star and he'd bring it up in so many interviews and, and get really mad about how it didn't work. And like to John Carpenter, <laughs> I think it was a student film, but Dan O'Bannon never quite like let, let it go that this is a masterpiece. And it's like, you kind of want to go back in time and just give Dan O'Bannon a hug and tell him, Dark Star's great, don't worry. Like, everyone loves it, like, just chill. <laughs> it's like your babies though, you can never let them go, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what else you watched? Oh me, I don't know. Yeah, you. Um, you. I I guess I watched like because I did the two new releases. Um, but I as in rewatched. I actually watched. Um, God, what did I watch? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I watched. <laughs> where, where I watched something I? the Who other was? day. Um, that I hadn't seen for ages, and I don't know if I'd actually seen all the way through before. But Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. That was oh, I, I love saw that, that film. Yeah, and I, I for some reason I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through before, but it was so nice to watch. I think the Gary Oldman version. Yeah, 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 Gary Oldman. Um and uh yeah, it was just obviously all the great actors and yeah, and Kathy Kathy Burke who I absolutely love. So I was anything I was with gonna... Kathy Burke in it is just great. But no, it was oh, it was m- really might good. be my best best like supporting actress that year. Kathy Burke in that film. I think yeah, she's, she's incredible in it. Yeah. Absolutely stunning in I, it. I think she's so, I mean, I think she's so talented anyway, and I just love her yeah. as a person. I think, yeah, she's one of those people that you kind of, you can never really not like because of the yeah, person yeah. as well. But also, she is a really, really talented actress. But it was she just is. so, it was just so lovely to watch all these. There was times when I didn't really follow what was going on even. But then I'm <laughs> sure. like, okay, because I have to really concentrate on this. But, um, <laughs> 
but no, it was it was really good just to see the level of the acting in it. It was almost like watching an acting masterclass. And yeah. um, you know, when people like Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Hardy feel like the schoolboys, is like you know that it's <laughs> you know you're in kind of good company with John Hurt and uh, Gary Oldman, Colin Firth is just yeah, just it was just brilliant. I mean, yeah, I think it's yeah, and just the way it just looked gorgeous as well it, it sounded does, yeah. cool and yeah and I just thought gosh it's been so long since I've seen this and I don't actually know if I'd seen it all the way through and it was so I'm so glad I got to see it again and uh, yeah it's it was crazy it's 10 film. years old already I know it? I know yeah. and you like everyone looks really young in it like <laughs> or, you know you can really see those 10 years have really changed people and um yeah but no it was it was really cool I liked that one well, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the director though like because he did um let the right one in he did, Pete. yeah. Ah, yeah fantastic film. Yeah, yeah. He also did The Snowman, which is... Uh, oh, I've heard about that one. I've never <laughs> seen I haven't that. I have seen it. I've heard <laughs> so, bad things. Yeah, it's one of the worst films ever made. Really? It's got, it's got yeah. um, Fassbender in it, though, hasn't it, I think? It has. Yeah. It basically is one of the worst films ever made because they didn't finish it. So, like, they... Then, so it doesn't make sense. You literally have... You can't watch it and know what happened because they literally did shoot everything they needed to shoot. Um, I can't remember the story. The story is absolutely mental. It's not like Thomas Adfred. Why didn't they finish Alfredson knows this. I think it ran out of budget or ran over budget or something. Or the studio didn't want it to... The studio were kind of... The studio were convinced they were getting some, like, cheap thriller and Thomas Adfredson was making, like, you know, a, a strong drama, like a, like a Scandinavian kind of crime drama film. And so, like, they didn't like the dailies that were coming back or something like that. It's all manner of, like, messed up production. I was just um, reading the Wikipedia and it said um, they attributed the problems of the film, the rush production schedule, claiming that 15 to 20% of the film's story was never shot. <laughs> That's yeah. a good percentage. <laughs> it's yeah, a really good percentage, honestly. a big hole in the story. Yeah. <laughs> 20%. Wow, yeah. That honestly, it doesn't, the film doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't have all the pieces in it. It's incredible. I hope he makes something else, though. I hope that's not his last time. So, because, Val Kilmer's in that. Is that, like pre like his obviously like his voice i don't think it is i think it's right in the middle of it oh okay i think he's got worse over the years talking about that new documentary is that actually oh yeah it looks quite interesting yeah that will look good yeah that does look good actually i want to see that yeah i've been meaning to try and find it somewhere it have you have you noticed everyone's like reappraising his batman now that's like the big thing that everyone's obsessed with (laughs) is it yeah (laughs) well we were on that we were on that over a year ago yep (laughs) <laughs> I love Val like and I just it's I love Val and any kind of reappraisal of him will be good I think like let's stop talking shit about him what people just like have really kind of tried to do over the years is he on the uh, the Keanu Reeves and um, Brendan Fraser I train so. I mean I think so I mean you only have to watch like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or like yeah, Heat yeah. or something or Tombstone and even like his turn in like true romance is, is wonderful. Like when he's playing Elvis, Elvis I think it is, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. He's he's even Alexander, which is a film you might not like, but he he's absolute full force kind of um uh performance in that as as King Philip. I just I really like him. I like him seeing him do stuff. And it's a shame obviously he got sick and that's the main reason why I think he stopped doing things really. But um yeah, he's I like Falcon. <laughs> Wasn't someone else cast in Heat? Instead of Val Kilmer originally for that role. I don't know. I don't know that, yeah, actually. I can't remember who it was now. It's going to drive me nuts now. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, shall we move on? Yes. 
because we got a we got a banger to talk about today. As far oh as yeah. Wait, <laughs> 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 right, so we're covering the 1987 rom com called Moonstruck. I don't know. I didn't introduce that properly. Come on, I did properly. If <laughs> you want to. <laughs> It's a um, moonstruck. It's a moonstruck. <laughs> Sorry, Natalie. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> no, my, my Italian grandma would be turned into the graves. <laughs> oh, it's such a good film. Um, okay, we're dealing with the 1987 romantic comedy directed by Norman Jewison, starring Cher and Nicolas Cage, which it's all you need to know. We're doing Moonstruck. The moon brings the woman to the man. The moon is a little like love. Will you marry me? I will marry you. I will be your wife. You love him, Loretta? No. Good. When you love him, they drive you crazy. Sometimes. Why you marrying Johnny? He's a fool. It makes you act a little crazy. Where are you taking me? To the bed. Oh, God. Okay, I don't care. I don't care. Take me. Take me to the bed. Isn't it romantic? You get a love bite on your neck. Your life's going down the toilet. You'll have your eyes open for you, my friend. I have my eyes open. I'll say no more. You haven't said anything. Ah, que bella luna. You ruined my life. That's impossible. You ruined my life. Look, it's Cosmo's moon. Why do men chase women? Nerves. I don't want to talk about it. That moon. That crazy moon. Now you talk. I love you. What? Snap out of it. I'm confused. They say there's nothing new under the sun. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <clears throat> but under the moon, that's another story. Do you love him, Loretta? Ma, I love him awful. Oh, God, that's too bad. Share. Nicholas Cage in a Norman Jewison film. A la familia, eh? A la familia. Moonstruck. Do, 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 memore. That song's been in my head all day. It's a brilliant <laughs> like, song. It's such a it. brilliant song. And um, and one that I, I knew growing up, I think like we had it at my, my nan's house because we used to sing along with pasta fazool, which is this great <laughs> Italian dish that we used to have around my nan's house. So, yeah, it's great. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, but such a good song <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, and the whole thing has just got that real feel. The whole film has has that sort of, like you said, it's... Like they took that song and made a film about it, yeah, and it's really it got did. that that warmth and heart to it, which is so so sweet. Yeah, it's um, brilliant. I, I can say this right away. I think this film's brilliant. I can't believe I hadn't seen it before. <laughs> Had you not seen it? Before? Oh, it's no. oh, it's so, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I've I've seen it a few times, but yeah, it's oh, it's brilliant. It's just an easy watch, and it just makes you feel good. It's one of those. It is especially easy watch. Yeah. I couldn't believe how quick it went when I put it on. Yeah. Like it, it just zoomed by. Actually, the whole thing zoomed by. Well, which, I mean, um, it's just not a lot easy. happens in it, really, if you think about it. Well, I mean, <laughs> no one steals the Declaration of Independence. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I, I think I like that though. I think I like the fact that it's kind of every every scene is like just a little interaction between two people near enough. Yes, and the. 
and it's just what happens between those moments and that those moments are really I love that I love that but no not a lot Absolutely. happens not you know in the grand scheme of things it's just about family really isn't it um but the strength of this film is those kind of little um like side tangents side plots side stories that and it's absolutely a screenplay film because of that like there's well, any amount of scenes in this you mom, could 100 oh she's brilliant oh, god she's, she's brilliant. amazing yeah there's any amounts of scene in this you can cut out and you wouldn't watch the film you wouldn't like it as an audience you wouldn't sit there going well it didn't have this in it do you know what i mean like mm. so you could you could cut out the the aunts and uncles you can cut out like john mahoney you can cut out the granddad and mm. but like as if you were trying to be like streamlining it um but all those elements even though they don't add up to like as you know ollie was saying they don't add up to a grand thing they actually add up to telling the story and and transforming the world and making it feel real and and mm. full mm. and telling you the whole thing about it and like all those little elements the john mahoney stuff and the aunts and uncle and the granddad and what i like the, the lady who curses the plane all those little elements oh, I are, forgot are what about makes her. that film she's work so good. she's amazing <laughs> And all those little things is what makes this work so well, I think, like, like, and just makes it so full as a rom-com, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it is, it's all about the characters and those characters, even if they are only given a few lines, are so well, they're so yeah. well sketched and allowed to be as eccentric yeah. as they like, which in real life, you do get people that are really eccentric yeah, and, yeah. you know, you're allowed to be as as you know expansive on that as you like and and almost although it is i'd say that there are times when it is quite ridiculous but in a way so is life and that's why it kind of reflects yeah. it very well and uh that's what gives it its special quality i think and i think it does have a real, real special quality to it i can see why it won awards and yeah. uh you know and actually was taken really seriously by well everyone really you know at the time because you wouldn't think it because it's a se- sort of in some ways it's a real it's a sort of fun, silly film, but at the same time, yeah. it's got that, it's got a real, it does feel more like a play at times because it has that it real underlying yeah. Yeah, yeah. sort of, you know, heart and message going through it that, yeah, yeah I mean, I love The I whole ending it. is very theatrical. With Isn't the, it? Yeah. The dinner table and people slowly coming in, that's very play. And not a, there's not a slight on it at all. I adored the ending. But um, it is very kind of theatre writing. But, the, you know, John Patrick Sh- um, Shanley, the writer, is, you know, a Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize-like writer yeah. and Tony Award winner. And he ended up writing um, Doubt and goes on to yes. write, direct the film as well. Yeah. Like, Incredible. So he, um, you can tell that he's bringing that kind of theatre writing to this, I think, really. And it, I don't know, it just works. It, it works so well for me. Like, and, um, I mean, the funny, the funny thing is, like, the, um, this script had been going around for ages as well as far as I remember um, that it's it was bouncing around for a lot of times and people just didn't really want to make it no it's interesting I, f- I feel like it's um it's maybe for so long obviously the Italian sort of American culture in film was kind of negative it was more gangster stuff it was more you know for a long time it was that and maybe this was seen as yeah not cool not fashionable not how we want to see that kind of community and and actually it's it, i think that's why why it's so good because it's coming after a time when everything has just been about the darker side of that community and actually this is just a really lovely uh, warm film about about italian americans and uh, yeah i think that's maybe why people were reluctant to touch it but 
Is it possible it's one of the only Italian-American films when, like, it's not about the mob in any way? I was yeah, really yeah. expecting them to write the mob in it at some point, yeah. and I was quite surprised when they didn't turn up. Like, yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, them. it's true. Most of the time, there is that is kind of the the kind of gutsy kind of how how the Italian immigrants sort of settled in in New York, particularly, and and how they struggled and that that sort of ghetto ghettoization, and then and it's all about that kind of gangster sort of. style stuff and so this is actually really nice to see i mean more recently i suppose green book um has that kind of element but he is still part of a he he, you do still see the mob in that you do still see um he deals yeah he deals he's he's not necessarily part of it but he's like a a bouncer for them or something um no is it something like that so yeah so it's always there whereas in this film it's so nice that it's just actually about the family and just about how how lovely yeah, they is. are and yeah and mad but gloriously mad and yeah it's great. I mean I'll I'll just say this out now like I thought the film was okay it didn't really blow my mind. Um like it's weird that like obviously like shares build as like the lead character whereas I think like as I was saying the mom's an amazing character I think she just gets as much screen time a share to be honest and the dad obviously gets quite a lot of screen time as well with his like subplot they're kind of uh, you know they all kind of all come together at the end of the film but um yeah i don't, I don't know why like I, I i think i just wanted to see more with of share and nicholas cage and I, I i understand the idea of the film is that they just fall in love instantly so you don't really have to have the whole courtship of their relationship but like he's i think he's only in like three or four scenes if that like you really like you've got them at the the bakery the opera the bedroom like when they have you know they've which is an offshoot of the offshoot off there i can't speak offshoot of the bakery scene where they have sex for the first time and then back is back at the house when they all have breakfast together and it's just nuts that like i could have i could have easily have watched another half an hour of this film and i think i would have got a bit more from it personally Mm. i don't know i just wanted to see more of these characters because like you're saying they are really well written Mm. i just want to see more of them yeah i know what you mean i do know what you mean i think obviously for for um nicholas cage he's only in it for a for like you say he's not in it for that much but I think it has an impact still and I, I don't know for me it worked but I know I could easily watch half another half an hour more absolutely I think and you'd maybe get a bit more but then it's almost like his intensity as a character is uh I don't know it's just I mean the person who gets the le- probably the least amount of time is um Johnny is it the one that's like you meet <laughs> yeah. him and you realize he's ridiculous and then they sent him send him to Italy and then he comes back right at the end you know um but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I loved the character of the mum and the dad of Cosmo yeah. and Rose. And I think for me, them having that much, uh, that, yeah, that much um, airtime was really good because I, I think their characters were just as interesting as, and that, because it almost for me, it offered another view of love and how it is flawed. Because obviously, you've got the young lovers, well, that, yeah. you know, that well, young, yeah. they're in their, like, they're our age, aren't they? They're sort of, you know, but they're sort of, they're a little bit flawed, but they're still able to have that really sparky, passionate, uh, quick relationship. They're not 
you know whereas then you're looking at somebody who's been married what 50 they say 52 years and and how yeah that works and I thought that having that contrast is actually quite nice um yeah and maybe you need to see more of them as people for it to work the mum and the dad because you have to have a certain sympathy for for him the, for the dad even though you know obviously yeah. he's messing around yeah. and everything else but <laughs> like her, her trying to figure out why he's doing it you know because um, he fears death or whatever yeah. you know it's her little quest is heartbreaking oh yeah. it's so funny but it's sweet as well but it's but I think I don't know when I was watching it I never for one minute thought that that this was anything other than a fling and I knew that they were going to come back together again I don't know I just you were given the impression that all sure. like she knew that yeah he's cheating on me but you know it's she was, yeah, I don't know, I've got the feeling they were always going to be okay, but... Um... It's a very cinematic, theatrical, like, the, how fast she forgives him. Like, she's so happy to tuck into her breakfast after she said, like, a little piece at the mm. dinner table. Mm. And maybe that's a cultural thing as I well. I really think the strength of the film is, is it's a bunch of relationships in a, in a type of way that we never see them on screen normally. Yeah. Like these, as you say, like the the main characters in this are are widowed and um, like divorced. I think. Yeah, because um, at least divorced. both of them. Have, I know she's widowed, isn't she? She's she's widowed. Yeah, he's not divorced. He never she's got widowed, married. Yeah. yeah, but um, and then they're older. You know, they're 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 playing like late thirties. They're not playing like two like like twenty year olds. Even though Nick Cage was like twenty in this, but they're playing like I think they're meant to be both be playing older. Um. And I think Cher was 41 or something. Yeah, she's playing a little yeah. younger. But, and I think that relationship is stuff you don't tend to see in films. I think the, the older relationship, her parents, in the fact that, you know, an older kind of couple that have been married 50 years and kind of messing around, but there's a, there's a certain deepness of understanding between Rose and, and Cosmo that's a little stronger than that. Like, it's it, the, the passion just to yell at him and beat him isn't real there the realness is actually the fact that they're a bit closer than that you know they know each other a little better i thought the the scene between the uncle and the aunt um when the moon scene is one of the most romantic scenes i've ever seen in a film frankly it's so beautiful um, yeah. no i did like that scene. line where she went she said he you know from this moonlight you look like you're 21 again or something to that effect. I can't remember the I thought that yeah. was really that, sweet. That light and in that pose or something, yeah. she yeah. says, like, it's so nice. And there's nothing, there's just love there. It's just showing this older couple and it's just love and tenderness. Like, and I think, like, and even the, the you know, the old grandpa the, the, with his dogs, that's still love and tenderness there. Like, clearly, like, it, it means something to him. Maybe they belong to his, his wife or something, you know. Like, there's, there's yeah. elements of that. Which, I had a thought about that. If this was called, yeah. like, Go on, yeah, what did you think? Oh, no, I thought, I, no, you know, you were saying about um, how maybe they belong to his wife. I wondered if they belonged to friends that had passed away or, you know, so he just take, like was looking, or maybe one of them was oh, his yeah. wives. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, that when he, they took, they go to the graveside and he meets all his, his mates there and the dogs are, like, sniffing around the grave yeah. of a freshly, there's, like, a fresh grave being put down there and one of the dogs is all over it. And, and I wondered if they were, like, oh, it was like know, it was his friends' own dogs. Around, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That was just what I... Yeah, sort of guessed yeah. out but but like you say it could be his wife's yeah it's the same sort of thing it's like it's that love you know carrying on and he's there looking after them and stuff that's yeah i got that impression there's a there's a deepness of sentiment there is it worth us talking about share a little bit 
seeing as you know we've we've got a person on the podcast who's played Cher numerous oh, sure. times. Um, so 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 Natalie, talk to tell us talk to us about Cher. Oh well, um, oh gosh. I mean, oh, I, I love her. Topic. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> uh, where do I begin? Oh, so, where, like, where does where did your like affinity with Cher like? When did where did that come from? I mean, I guess I just grew up listening to her when I was from being really young because my mum was a big fan. Um, so when I was little, I had a I had like a, a cassette with Cher's greatest hits on one side and Queen's greatest hits on the other, and I would just listen and sing along to Cher. <laughs> all the time you know and I just I've, I've always thought she was amazing but and then and then I suppose you sort of forget about something and then later on and it's probably when she was sort of not so much in the forefront sort of in the uh sort of 90s and then um yeah somebody when I went for my first headshots as an actress um the guy taking my photo said, "If ever there's a if ever there's a film about Cher's life, you'll play Cher." And I was like, "What? I don't I don't know." You know, and at the time, I thought, oh, "I don't want to." No way. Yeah, yeah, honestly. And I, at the time, you know, I was only like twenty one or something, and I didn't really want to look like Cher because she's like an older lady and stuff. You know, you think, "Oh, my like Cher." <laughs> oh, you know, I'm not happy about that. But then a few people had said it to me. Um, a few older, you know, like older people said, "I've been working in a pub," and then some of the guys that would come to the pub the regulars would be like oh isn't she like Cher she's so like Cher and I'm like why do I look like this Cher anyway anyway and then you go back to it and then obviously Cher became big again with Believe and then it sort of comes back Do into <laughs> exactly yeah. um and then it's like oh actually yeah this is cool I'm glad I look like you know this person she's she's awesome so and you know and then got the opportunity to audition for the part and uh yeah and I thought well I best get it, <laughs> otherwise, you know, I can't have the excuse of not of not looking like the person. Because sometimes, as an actor, you go, "Well, I didn't look right. It's fine," <laughs> you know. Whereas yeah. with this one, I can't really use that excuse. But this has been—it was building up for years. Uh, people saying yeah, it, so. exactly. <laughs> so if I didn't get it, there was definitely something wrong with me. Um, but no, so I worked really hard and I put a lot of effort into getting the voice right and uh, you know, and, and the mannerisms and stuff. And and I was lucky I got to play her for a little while, which was lovely. You know, well, how much? Um, prep time did you have from like knowing you got the job to the day you started how oh, long did not you long. have about three weeks so you had three weeks of being able to yeah. practice wow. like, i mean to... i was auditioning for the part i'd say maybe three weeks before that so i kind of right. had an inkling about three weeks that this could happen so i was just from that point onwards i was just in share mode like i would just spend hours talking to myself as <laughs> you know and doing things to lower my voice and and sort of get the get the accent watching videos and researching and stuff all the stuff that you have to do and um and just actually from that just my love of her just has grown and grown really I just think she's awesome yeah. you know from the more the more I learn about the woman I just think she's incredible so yeah it was a real honor to to play her for a little while so yeah well, you, you played her again, didn't you, recently? You yeah, in, in I did. Yeah, I, I did um, an autopsy episode. It was actually about Sonny Bono, though, that that uh, episode. So I'm only in it for a really short uh, spurt. But, yeah, that was just – that was in lockdown, actually. I did a couple of days doing that, which was lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, cool. I seem to get um, – Caster's 70s, 60s and 70s show. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's uh, – no, it's great, you know. It's 
Really so, cool. like, you are the Robert Downey Jr. of the Cher cinematic universe. Basically, yes. We'll wait for Cher Endgame. <laughs> yes, exactly. But no, she's. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just yeah, it's just been awesome. It was awesome to play her, and just to wear those lovely clothes and you know. Just, I can imagine. Yeah, it's amazing. Really nice. So. She, she's such an interesting person, Cher. She's such an interesting like character as well, and like it, especially of an actress because. This was her kind of, you know, her Oscar campaign. You know, she ends up winning the Oscar for this, obviously. But really, she hadn't been in that much. But there was some sort of expectation that she was going to win an Oscar, I think. And, you know, she did come back to the Five and Dine with, like, um, um, Robert Altman. And and then followed that up with Silkwood, which I think is a wonderful performance. She's like, great It's in such it, yeah. a different yeah. screen presence of her. She's so... And th- like it would have been Silkwood that got her this because in 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 Silkwood she's so like street tough and so like and like kind of self assured I think in 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 that kind of performances and I think that's what Norman Jewison was looking for in this kind of role yeah. someone who was um you know who who kind of felt lived in who felt like they kind of owned this part and I think that's part of the story in this film is. You can see it as her not having much agency, but I think the way Cher performs the, the role gives her all the agency in the world. Mm. Like it makes her f- feel like she's absolutely kind of in charge of everything that's going on and in the conversation. Yeah. And I think then coming then through, she did Mask, which was a huge film, and mm. um, you know she got nominated for that. And then she did um, Witches of Eastwick the same year as this, and Witches of Eastwick is just a wild performance (laughs) yeah it's a good fun film yeah completely different and uh yeah but yeah she's um yeah i think silkwood was great and and it really you know i mean she wasn't really taken seriously to start with when she got that part and people were like how how has she been cast in this you know um and mike nichols just give her the the opportunity which was amazing um because that's all she you know Cher really wanted to be an actress that's what she always wanted to be she, singing was yeah. Sonny Bono's idea really and it obviously gave her a route in and it's always been and she's got an incredible voice so that's you know but she's always wanted to be an actress so I think um for her it was a massive deal to get these kind of roles and then to get the Oscar was just oh just amazing I mean she I think she's a more much more insecure person than people realize especially when it comes to right. talent and um like when she gets the oscar i think she says something like I, I know this doesn't mean i am somebody but maybe it's a start which you know <laughs> even at that point you know you're talking at about somebody point, yeah after all she's done she's done so much and yet she still is like oh, i'm not really any anybody special you know and and she wasn't. Is it that, is it, she, doesn't she kind of trip? Does she trip up on the way to the stage? I seem to remember, and she swears. I seem to remember. Oh that, yes, like, yes. I think you're right. Yeah. Just yeah. as she's climbing up, she trips over her clothes a little bit, and she said, "I think she goes shit." Like, <laughs> off the mic, which just, I just love Cher. Go Cher. Yeah, I mean, she is just you know she's such a smart person, and she's got such yeah. a gift of the gab anyway. But there is an insecurity there, especially when it comes to her acting, and I think. Yeah, but there shouldn't be because she's great. I mean, I honestly think this mm. this performance was brilliant. And considering yeah. she isn't Italian American, you know, she's yeah. I know she's not at all. She's got it down. Like she's got the voice down. She's got 
the mannerisms, you know, it's it's spot on. It's exactly for what my it ears. Be. Yeah, for my ears, I couldn't tell at all. Yeah. I'm sure someone in Brooklyn or something could tell me different, but yeah, I, yeah to my ears, it sounded absolutely perfect and yeah. fine. No, absolutely. I mean, because I, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm no expert, but I've got family yeah. in New York, you know, Italian family in New York, and for me, she was. Yeah, she was good. She had, she got it. She got it pretty spot on, you know, and the mannerisms <laughs> she, and everything. She has a bit of a sliced alone drawl at the beginning. At the beginning, I, yeah, <laughs> at the beginning, I would agree. But yeah, I think no, I thought she was brilliant. I thought she was really, really good, and I can't imagine anyone else doing it really I mean, as well. It's it's worth to say actually, the studio did not want Cher. They didn't believe in her. There was no. and all the stuff. They all the stuff they. <laughs> He's going to be All doing the stuff that, they used to do at this time was basically like they used to do kind of audience like polls and stuff like that. And all the studio was saying there was no evidence that Cher had any pull on any box office. So when um, Norman Jewison came in with Cher, who he only saw as the only role, they the, the studio really resisted it. And they tried to get Liza Minnelli, Rosa Arquette, Demi Moore, Barbara Streisand to do it instead. None of and, those. Um, I can't imagine any of those people doing no, it correctly. I no, just can't. No, I can't can't at all no really can't at all and like and yeah norman was really really kind of um steadfast on that i, I want share this is a role for share i you know this is going to work for her mm. and he was right like, oh, he was right. Yeah. i think those are the actresses you listed like the, the one thing i'll say about share is she knows like even though she's larger than life on stage and stuff when she's in film she can really bring it in whereas I think mm. some of those other actresses like Liza Minnelli or Barbara Streisand Barbara Streisand kind of gets but like they're a lot bigger aren't they I don't yeah know. absolutely right. I agree I would agree with that and there's much more yeah she uses her eyes in a way that's much more subtle like and she's like, just yeah, yeah, yeah she's, just, she's got greying fringe in this and stuff like that and she's kind of a bit more dowdy which you, you know you don't expect to see that of she I mean obviously she she you know she has a glam up later on but yeah it's a, it's a great glam up as well. It's yeah. a great makeup. Well, it's just, uh, it's, just like, it's just her just walking around going, oh, fuck it, I'll just get my head in. Yeah. It and it's a, it's, a, it's a makeover scene. I mean, makeover scenes always kind of work for me in films, but the makeover scene in this film, it's actually not about anyone else. And like normally makeover scenes are about, about like someone coming in, changing you. There's a yeah. crowd of people. And actually, this makeover scene is her doing it. And her, like, and most of the makeup scene, there is obviously that she gets her nails done and her hair, but most of the makeover scene is at home, her doing it herself. And I think that's such a stronger, like, makeover scene and a stronger message that, like, most of that kind of transformation, when you're trying to do that, you're on your own. You're not surrounded by thousands of people. I like it when she's at home drinking a wine in front of the fire and she's just got all of her shopping out. Like, when you come home after you bought a shit, you lay it out. I just thought, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I was like, oh, I want to go shopping. And that looks, that was one of the most beautiful scenes. I was just like, look, I want to be there with with Cher. I'll happily go shopping with Cher. And uh, a glass of red wine, a roaring fire. We're looking at all our lovely clothes. Fantastic. I'll tell you what, come round, I'll green screen you and we'll put you in certain shots of the film I'm sure I can do it. yeah I'm going to digitally insert Natalie into scenes of Moonshine yes like please yes me and Cher going shopping looking at our dresses by the fire oh fantastic just yeah I mean to be fair lovely. we could probably face swap you on there and you wouldn't even notice the difference <laughs> we both got the cheekbones oh thanks I mean, yeah I mean she looks she looks awesome in this film so it's always good it's always I like so how big. they they, they, they so big they get so like they're excited to like pluck her eyebrows or whatever, mm. and like I didn't really notice her eyebrows were that unkempt beforehand. But yeah, but you notice they look better afterwards. 
It's true. <laughs> also, this is the second film we've watched with a, a crazy man obsessed with the opera. Yes. This decade, um, I should say. Today's crazy man is quite unique. I think Nick Cage in this film is wonderful in every sense he of is. anything. Is mm. is so good in this film. And I'm surprised he didn't get an Oscar nom actually for supporting. He kind of deserves it. Um, mm. But like, he's he, like, I'd talk about the casting we talked about, like Cher. Like, they went through Hollywood to cast this role. Like, this was like Tom Cruise, Bill Murray. They were trying to get anyone basically to kind of do this role. I think Ray mm. Liotta had c- got mm. really far. I and, could um, see that. I could, I could, but, yeah. I but he hasn't got the, like, he's crazy. He hasn't got yeah, but he hasn't got the insanity that, no. that um, Nick Cage but like, has. Like Norman Jewison actually like crossed out um, uh, Ray Liotta from the casting list and said he was too young to play the role. And then they got and then they got Nick Cage in, who's seventeen younger, seventeen years younger than Cher to play it. He and doesn't it, look it though, does he? He, he doesn't, doesn't seem it. it at all. I didn't think like, at the time. He had just removed his two front teeth. I was just going to say, what roll. happened to his side? His two side teeth. He had one missing, and one was like a half a tooth or something. He took yeah. him out for his last film role for right. Birdie. He had them removed because he's Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he had caps or something there originally. He didn't just have teeth removed. I think he had teeth removed. Oh god, that's like a Shia LaBeouf <laughs> move. That is. Yeah. It's like, very he, intense, isn't he? Bless him. <laughs> he's. He's intense. A to very put it intense lightly. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he wanted to do punk films. There's a good interview with him when he talks about this. Like he wanted to do kind of punk films and like like well, kind of like um, Repo Man. Yeah, basically. Like, and he didn't want to do this script when he got sent it. His student, his um, his uh, agent was convincing him to do it and kept on telling him to do it, and he was just like, "No, this is boring. I wouldn't do this." But they talked him into it, and there is a wonderful one. Like he just, he, I think, like the fact that he brings this punk edge to it is really interesting to it. The way he delivers lines is weird. Like he's he really falls falls into the character as well. Like they call him a wolf completely mm. in the script a number of times and he's playing that up like he's playing that wolf element he's doing his hair in that way he's kind of growling his way through his what's lines. his tattoo of a seahorse i think actually, is it a seahorse which i'm not sure why but i like how you <laughs> said he was hairy at the beginning in the intro i don't think he is hairy he's chest hair is is he? i'd say he's hairy <laughs> <Was> he? <laughs> I mean, how old is he? It's for I'm a looking young at man. myself, and I'm hairy. Yeah, for a, for a 21 year old man, he's quite hairy, I'd say. I mean, but not that that's a bad thing. He and he like it goes. They always refer to him as an animal, don't they? And it's yeah. that um, and the wolf and that kind of wild sort of side. I think it suits it completely. And oh yeah. So for anyone who hasn't watched it, he uh, basically has a falling out with his brother. He uh, this who, is <laughs> insane. Oh, so his brother is going to get married to share. He wants Cher. He goes off to Italy to attend to his like dying mother, but he he leaves Cher a like a chat like not a challenge, but says, "Look, I want you to invite my brother to our wedding because they get engaged earlier on in the film," and um, and then you find out they have a falling out because what what was the reason? I can't remember now what the, what it was over, but basically it involved 
It was Bro, over. Cage he distracted bread slicer. Yeah. 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 He distracted Cage when he was using a bread slicer and he sliced off his hand and he yeah. blamed him for distracting him when he was yeah. using it. So and then he lost his fiance, didn't he? Yeah. Because yeah. Because that scene in the cellar kind of bakery when he's like, bring me the big knife I'm going to slip my throat. <laughs> I myself. love that scene. It's so it's funny. It's so extreme. <laughs> and like, you got the other kind of uh, like the the late the girl who works upstairs like crying about him saying he's the most emotional man I've ever known. I, I love him so and... much and he'll never know. And it's like, oh <laughs> my God. But I, I think that was really good because you can see, obviously he's his victim kind of, he's, he's playing that role of the victim and he, he's really wallowing in his, you know, oh, the world has been against me mm. all this time. And it's, and, and Cher's character is, you know, Loretta's just like, what are you talking about? Let's go upstairs and have a t- and have a chat. You know, just <laughs> calm down, just shut up, and let's go and talk. Whereas all the other women around him and all the other people around him have indulged that and let yeah. him just be sort of lose himself in his you know uh, in his sadness, I suppose, and he's just kind of lost control of his emotions. And, and it's almost like she contains that for him. She's so yeah. strong in herself that she's able to somehow contain that for him which is it's that kind of danger as well that he has is kind of attractive yeah. as well i think to loretta like he's his he's, he's, oh his, yeah um, his yeah, brother is absolutely. so just nothing of a man like uh, to the point like loretta actually makes him propose <laughs> he tells him what exactly what to do during the proposal um whereas ronnie yeah, is just wild oh, so like, that waiter by the way is the best character i love him <laughs> waiter's great yeah bobo the waiter bobo he, yeah he's definitely yeah. better than the waiter and than than uh my dinner with andre he is a better waiter as far as waiters go <laughs> we'll have to rank waiters at the end of the season yeah, but no is this cool. is the one thing i don't get is though he, he talks about like he's in on the proposal so I assumed, he, yeah. So I assumed he had something on the tray, like the ring or something. Like that's what I thought. Why would why would Bobo know about it otherwise? Because Johnny's just a champagne. Fuck he was going to bring over. Yeah. I think it was. He stops yeah. panicking and rubs his head, doesn't he? he like, and then just, Bobo just he's going to do it, it, and he's he um he t- I think he t- said he's um he's going to do it, but he didn't have a ring. He didn't know he had to kneel down. Didn't didn't prepare for it properly yeah, at he's, all. He's a full on wet lettuce. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I um, I, I just want to give this quote about about um Cage during this this period. So like he, him, and Norman Jewison really disagreed with how to play the character because it's Nick Cage. Nick Cage wanted to go full force into something, and Norman Jewison had to try and drag him back into like reality a little bit more. But like um, he Nick Cage says that mm-hmm. Nick Cage in this time period was nocturnal. <laughs> from his own accounts <laughs> like and and vampire's um, kiss was he still in was he like method from that still that was the next one he did actually and uh he said that, that he based his one. performance in this on fritz lang's sci-fi film the metropolis um he said that he entirely was basing his whole songs <laughs> around this <laughs> and there's this interview with him in of playgirl <laughs> in this time period and he goes and this quote from playgirl i think is one of the best things i've ever read he goes, Cage owned two sharks, an exotic insect collection, and a jewel-encrusted tortoise. Then it quotes Cage. I've always been fascinated by marine biology. I don't know why. It's sort of like my Bible. I have a picture of a fish in my wallet that is going to knock your socks off. <laughs> I just think... I just, I just couldn't imagine this wild man in New York during this time period. He's just insane. And... 
apparently that kind of went yeah. on to set as well. Yeah. The production of this film was was re- like really kind of um, tumultuous. Uh, like Nick Cage and Cher did not get along mm. at all. Like they really did not like each other on set. And I think that kind of aminosity almost and like, I don't know, that love-hate or something, that intense close relationship, I think, Works. that worked on mm. screen with okay. them as well. And, uh, like, so Cher, mm. like, Cher it probably gave about them a chemistry him. that they might not have had. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So Cher, Cher talks about him in Newsweek and says that he, he takes these unbelievable chances and I think he's absolutely crazy. But we had a blast on set, even if for days I'd get really peeved at him. And then later on, Cage talking of Cher says that... um. I think she, I think she needs a good director, otherwise she's in a lot of trouble, which is really mean. Kind of just phrase to throw out in an interview. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So apparently, yeah, that's, like, that's quite that's quite cutting. I mean, I, yeah. he's young, I though. I suppose, and probably he was say very a lot young. Of things yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, and also. And he's proper method and he's probably thinking, you know, she's not a proper actor. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's probably just that kind of snob, snobbery a little bit as well. But, um, but yeah, it's she- probably his youth. And can you imagine having to work, like, have, like, you know, she's, what, 41 and he's, she's, and he's, what, 20, yeah. 21. Yeah. That's a, it's a bit you of know, a difference. And he's really wild and he's staying out all night and he's turning yeah, there would be there would be frictions, I'm sure. Even if they respected each other, which you know, I'm not sure he completely respected <laughs> with that <laughs> comment. Sure. But you you know, there's gonna be there's gonna <laughs> there's gonna be some frictions there. But it, you know, it works that it almost gives it a chemistry that perhaps they wouldn't have had otherwise. I don't know. Yeah, I think I mean, it, there is something. Yeah, it to works it. on it works know. on screen. And mm. Cher actually really resisted mm. directing on the set. Like, um, the, basically, the whole cast. This has come out later, and um, Olivia Dukaska says the same thing that they just didn't trust Norman Jewison. They were all sitting around on sets, like basically bad mouthing him, saying they didn't. He didn't know what he was doing. And she's later said that they all just didn't know what he was doing. Really? They couldn't see the picture. You know, they couldn't see what he was doing. So there was a really, really tense set when they were making this. Cher especially hated direction, and he was. She was constantly fighting against Norman about how to play the role and what to do. You know, she may end up being right or not. But but it was just one of those kind of things that she didn't like. And uh, apparently people put this down to exactly what you were saying. She's quite insecure with her acting. She's quite, she's already had quite a big career and she's quite aware of people mm. exploiting her as well. And I think she came into this with those kind of tensions yeah. in her and, and stuff like basically there was a big argument mm. over it. There's a story that they were arguing constantly about finishing one scene and Norman Jewison said that look we're just gonna we're gonna run through lunch until we get it right and apparently Cher just stood up and yelled at him saying like you're not gonna let us have lunch and she threatened to report to the Actors Guild and stuff like that so she really stood her ground on the set <laughs> and, I'm telling and, on like, you yeah until like you're not can't kind of you, you can't exploit us with her kind of way of doing this and whatever it was mm. I think it work together whatever tensions this was all going on all built all kind of did actually work but it eventually it kind of all this tensions on set yeah. built up to the fact that um they were shooting i think it's the last scene when everyone was around and they were all stressed and they were all arguing with each other and people kept some fluffing lines and people kept messing up and eventually nick cage got so angry he threw a chair at one of the other actors and started and started yelling about stuff and yelling about <laughs> failed takes and stuff and it was um it was the old grandpa, uh, oh Fidor, I, I won't say his name right, but Fidor Chalipian, Chalipian, 
who um absolutely amazing actor yeah. we'll talk about him yeah. in a second but he basically stood up in the middle of this big argument and just went calma 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 and it, and told everyone that they were he said uh, we're doing a federu farce and everything together just falls in the last scene so let's just calm and sit down like it and i doubt anyone knew what he was on about but apparently mm. it completely he pretty much does that doesn't he at the dinner table yeah totally yeah he kind and of apparently does that everything fell into anyway, place yeah. because yeah yeah yeah, it's interesting. They've almost become their their parts. They're almost becoming that yeah. kind of sort of dysfunctional family that has yeah. the freedom to sort of shout at each other, but still can be brought back down to to working together at the end. Um, you know, at the end when they actually have to get everything done. But I mean, that thing about exploitation. I think Cher has a big thing about that because I think for a long time she felt quite exploited through. Uh, you know, I mean, even through sort of her relationship with Sonny Bono and and yeah. sort of having to do, you know, sort of tours and stuff that she didn't want to do and things like that. So I think she'd she'd got to the point that by this stage of her life where she's like, no, I'm not going to do things I don't want to do. I'm not I'm not going to because for so long she had been. Do you know what I mean? So um, so yeah, I can well imagine her standing up and just putting her foot down. Yeah, on, you know, yeah. with yeah. with stuff like that because she's. She's been in the, you know, she's been a performer for such a long time. Yeah. She knows when it's when it's right and when it's not. So yeah. yeah, it's not like somebody who's just fresh out of drama school. It's like she's she's done tours. She's been all over the world performing. She's you know she's been doing. She's done a lot, even though it might not have been acting. But she knows what's what's right and what's wrong. And yeah, yeah at this so, point she was know. just making sure that she didn't get exploited. You know, yeah, she was just conscious yeah. of that. Very very much so. But yeah, it's interesting that she didn't get on well with the director on this one as well. But it sounds like sounds like none of them really did. But it's and and it's it's interesting because then what you're probably seeing is not so much the direction, but just the actors doing their best. And sometimes that, when left to their own devices, if they're good actors, can actually produce something really special. And I think that's what's happened here. Well, I think as well, Norman Jewison is is really a an actor's like director. He's not a flashy director in any way. Mm. Um, in wonderful films, you know, like in the heat of the night and um, Fiddler mm. on the Roof and stuff like that, like oh, yeah, even definitely. Rollerball, like. Um, but like he's very much just. I think he is very much an actor's director, and he will let actors take over. He will let actors explore what they're doing and work their character and have that freedom to do that and and put together an ensemble like this that lets them do that as well. And I think he's always had that reputation, and I think that is the strongest point from this. I think you can tell you know what we keep saying this wonderful cast of character actors all coming together in roles that i can't imagine anyone else doing and all doing them in a way that feels lived in it they feel lived in they feel real they feel like people even the wildness of like nick cage feels like people in this Mm, absolutely yeah even though at times they are almost especially towards the beginning of the film they are almost you know sort of caricatures in ways but they're they are almost real within that and it's that which I think is a real a skill and uh, and yeah. and it's really lovely sometimes I think when just from experiences I've had with directors and stuff sometimes some of the best stuff comes when when there's a, got a group of actors all sitting around and and everyone is going I don't know what they want from us I don't know what I don't know what they're <laughs> doing and and you know and and so and and I've been in stuff where that has been the the talk between actors and then Hopefully not one of my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but but honestly, sometimes that you've it's almost like a trust you have to have because some of the best stuff I've 
I've been in plays and stuff have been when that's been the case and yet people have come see him like oh my god that was incredible like, and obviously the director had that vision but maybe yeah, sure. was just letting us just get into our own characters and not really sharing that whole vision with us because because really as actors that's not our job our job is to be our characters you know what I mean right. and, and to play that journey so sometimes that can be the talk on set or on you know on stage and then actually it can produce really good results because if you're just then f- focused on your role not the whole thing so much you know what I mean that actually is where you get good and this is probably where because it is such a character driven thing you had to really work hard because you can't just rely on the director to tell you what to do so they're going to yeah, go sure. away and they're going to work really really hard and and yeah so it's the um, whole thing about being collaborative isn't it that's the whole mm. the whole process of it everyone does have a have a role to play everyone does have a way to contribute like mm. it just might not always be immediately obvious maybe yeah yeah and uh no i think i think it works really well with this and yeah i mean I, I love um, the dad as well. The guy who plays Cosmo. Plays yeah. Cosmo. Um, yeah. What is it? Vincent Gardinia, is it? Is that him? I'll let you do the Italian. I can't pronounce any of these Italian names. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, how much better I'll be. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's him. But yeah, he's he's just wonderful. I love I love it when she goes home to tell to t- <laughs> tell him that she's going to get married to Johnny. And um Oh, it's so good. And he's like, he's smiling. He's, you can't see his teeth when he smiles. What's he hiding? You know, what's he hiding? It's just <laughs> brilliant. Just that because, yeah, it's, it, they got the Italian sort of way, like the kind of old Italian sort of culture down so well in, in the screenplay even. And, and um, then, you know, the, the writer, I think, isn't even Italian. So it's, yeah. yeah oh, really? It's <laughs> very impressive. Yeah. Because I looked that up and I was like, Shani's not, yeah, you think he's Irish? That, Irish um, descent, but yeah. The screenplay is so good. And mm. the stuff you would like, uh, when she goes home at the start and she says to uh, her mom, Rose, he goes like, you know, do you love him? And he's like, no, 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 but he's nice. And she's like, oh, thank God, that's good. And then the end, <laughs> yeah. of, the end of the film is like, do you love him? Oh, I love, like, I can't remember exactly what she no. says, but I love him with, like, to the, to the, to the righteous or something I can't remember what it is like and I love him something awful or something I love you something uh, awful yeah, yeah. yeah oh that's too bad oh, yes. <laughs> like, oh no, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah All that stuff I mean is Rose has the best one liners yeah <laughs> it's like Cosmo no matter what you do you're, you're gonna die like everybody else <laughs> it's like thanks Rose <laughs> yeah, brilliant <that's> <laughs> absolutely brilliant She's just great. She's a wonderful character. And I'm so, it was so good that, because she was, she got into acting a lot, well, not acting, but film acting a lot later in life as well. Yes. Olympia Dukakis. Actress, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. she's, oh, she's wonderful. She only passed away fairly recently, I think. Like, yeah. It was, yeah, this yeah. year. It was in May. Yeah. yeah. Have, I, have I seen her in anything else? She'd look very familiar. Probably. Honestly, Steel Magnolias, like, she did. I've um, seen that, but a long, long time ago. Yeah. Um, she's just got she's got such a huge really amount of films i don't know like she's got a huge, huge amount of stuff i like the scene mm. when the uh, the dad goes to the because he's a plumber yeah oh yeah he goes to the house and he's like they're they're upset about how much it costs yeah or, he does his little kind of his practice little speech yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that was brilliant 
and then he goes and and you see him doing the exact same speech to his uh to his like mistress i suppose yeah, or, yeah you know yeah, um, yeah, and uh, and she's lapping it up and she's flattering yeah. his ego and that's you know he's loving that and that's why he's there and uh yeah it's which is really i, I like that cut straight to that scene because you're like yeah. oh who's he talking to oh 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a stereotypical mistress though isn't it with the more flamboyant clothing whereas the mom's a bit more dowdy at home wearing like a her shoulder and stuff like that where she's like going to the restaurant by herself and that and mm. oh, that restaurant scene with John Mahoney John Mahoney mm. in this film I don't know how he didn't get awards because that is such a fantastic supporting role yeah, it's a good yeah. like yeah. barely yeah. barely any screen screen time but just every part of it he uses all of it like and you know I could like you know all of his role you know everything about that character you know yeah. everything that's going on he's not a particularly likable character he's taking his students out to meals yeah. and <laughs> pissing mm. them off like yeah, yeah. but in the in the, that kind of break as way when he sits with Rose and they just have dinner and they make that connection something that she could have turned into romantic I think if she chose to yeah yeah um, absolutely is, is well, I, like so, fa- I think I it's just so more the fact she knew she could have and that was enough for her yeah yeah it was yeah so no, yeah, it was like, just a bit of attention. It was just to feel, yeah, like a bit like, oh, somebody's giving me a bit of attention, but she was never going to do anything. But it was just something she was missing, obviously, from Cosmo at the time. It was just a bit of a bit of attention, I guess. But John Mahoney's, uh, it's almost like, um, it's almost like a bit of a monologue, really, although he's talking yeah. to Rose when he's talking about the young, fresh face of a, you know, of a student who's looking at me for the first time and thinks I'm thinks I'm smart and I'm yeah. I'm clever and I'm something fascinating. It lasts a couple of weeks, but, you know, it's worth it for that. I thought actually, although when you think about it in real terms, that's not a nice thing. I thought, sure. it, was a be- I thought it was a beautiful speech and I thought it he is. did it so well. And, it, and you kind of really felt for him, even though, yeah. you know, obviously when you hear about these stories in real life, you go, oh gosh, you know, the teacher and the pupil and, you know, <laughs> oh God, not again. But, but actually it was so... Yeah, it was done with such humanity and such, you Mm -hmm. kind of go, okay, yeah, I can kind of understand a little bit of like, why they somebody found, looking they at found you? The humanity in that, in that yeah, character. And yeah, I, that's surprising. That yeah, surprising and that was quite an achievement, yeah. I think. And yeah, I think it obviously is. for him as an actor, bringing that in, and yeah, because I mean, yeah, I think I think that's one of the things throughout the whole film is you feel the humanity for each of the, even though they're not maybe doing the best things they're all yeah. flawed they're all having affairs or they're doing something but but you can kind of see why they're doing it and it's sort of and um you know ronnie's speech about love towards the end oh, before they God, go that into speech is so good fantastic it's, so good. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic and you sort of it's about love and it's about how yeah you know love isn't perfect and it's yeah the snowflakes uh, are perfect the stars are perfect but not us like we're not meant to be and i thought oh god it's so good it's such a good speech you know you sort of think um if i was like a young actor coming out of drama school you know um, and (laughs) i was like oh actually that's a really good speech for an audition do you know what i mean but it it was it's such a good it's such a good speech and the screen yeah the screenplay is just brilliant but he and he delivers it perfectly as well he delivers it with such such kind of wild energy like he's mm. delivering not like he's ever thought about this that these words are just bubbling up out of him and he has to yell them yeah like it's and and it's, uh, it's just uh, no i don't think another actor would have ever chosen to deliver it that way and that's what i love about mm. nick cage that yeah. it just works and to that whole bit where you know you know love 
you love the wrong people and you die or something and and the mm. next thing he just now i want you to come upstairs and get in my bed it's just yeah. so good like and it's, there's a it's, brutal honesty to it that's yeah. actually really refreshing <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, and she tries to resist it, and she tries to say, "Look, I'm trying to be a different person. We can be better than what we, mm. than what our urges are." And he's like, "And but then he comes at her with this amazing speech." And goes, oh, fair enough. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going here. upstairs, Nick Cage. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going upstairs, um... Nick Cage. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, so brilliantly written and yeah really well acted on all fronts i mean you know when you do think about Cher as an actress i know people are always a bit skeptical but i couldn't imagine anyone doing it better i mean it, it was exactly what the role required and for, for instance the scene when then um, they've just set together and then she wakes up and she's like, oh my god and that she's scene, like oh yeah. i love it i love that scene so much but she you know jumps out of bed and and he's and he says <laughs> But I love you, and she slaps him, and I snap out of it. <laughs> but it's so it. quick, and it's snap so. Out. Is that where but... that comes from, the RuPaul? Probably. Oh, snap yeah, out probably. of it. Yeah. <laughs> probably, yeah. But it's so. It, like that is Cher's personality. She is really quick-witted, and it's that, like. Yes. There yeah. is quite a, a, an intensity to her as well, although it's a more a quieter intensity. But when it's called upon, it's there. Yeah. yeah and and that was yeah i can't imagine anyone else doing it better and that do they work together so well on screen they really, those two. really did yeah you know. i think they're both they are both really strong people and yeah. like they both really are know exactly themselves i think yeah. as well like both of them know how to sell themselves and do what they do i think and mm. i think that works that works for me when i can tell i'm seeing that on screen and i think that's what combines with this that they again they they're not especially real but they're so real when on camera and i think that just really that ticked the boxes for it really absolutely absolutely talking about the actors well, i need i need to introduce uh i can't say his damn name but fyodor shalipian shalapian who played Cher's grandfather yeah um, oh he's wonderful he um he ad-libbed everything for the dogs that was not in the script <laughs> that was him Aww. just doing every line with the film and um and and he also he's deaf. Wow! <laughs> so he he can't hear any of the other actors. Wow! So he used oh. to just watch people's lips, and when they stopped moving, he'd just do his lines at them. <laughs> like, oh! And um, before oh, he's casting so him, um, yeah. he, he he's he's good friends with Sean Connery. So before casting him, Norman Jewison phoned Sean Connery, uh, who just worked with him, and yeah. asked him about it. And Sean Connery said, "Um, um Go do goes, the action." I can't do it. He goes, Norman, he came to see. Um, Norman, he canna he canna see, he canna hear, and he'll still he'll steal every bloody scene in the film. Was the, <laughs> <was> the <laughs> <scripture> <laughs> and, and he does. He does, he does, he, does. he absolutely does. Yeah. Also, yeah, I think great. doesn't this have Oh, I think the cinema the director hang on, I might be fucking this up. Hang on, maybe two seconds. I think there might be a, a bond connection. Really? Yeah, let me have a quick look. Uh, I think it might be the DP. Yeah, so yeah, the Bond connection is that the D the cinematographer did the title sequence for Goldfinger. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact. Okay, that's cool. It was the cinematographer, David Watkin. Yeah. Okay, cool. And he did Help and um, he's in loads of films. 
There was a Charis scene when they go to the opera, and it, like I just the, the shooting that square in that way. I, I, I did think of Ollie because he's going to say that he's been there. And he's I have been that. there. It's where they <laughs> shot. I did the little <laughs> Peter Venkman little skippy thing that he does. <laughs> yeah. It made me laugh he when he, go, yeah. like, he invited her to come to the Met to see the opera and her response was like, where's the Met? Where's like, the Met? Yeah, I'm like, pretty sure. I know where that is. Yeah. And I've I think I, sh- I could find the Met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but no, I think it was, um, yeah, and that whole scene when they go to the opera, because obviously you sort of see him, because what I thought about, about that was obviously a, the, the, it's their transition into like, she's blossoming and he's almost being he's almost being contained but in a good way um so she's almost coming out of herself and he's almost sort of retracting a little bit which is probably what he needs to do because he's so chaotic but um but you see him in his suit and he just looks a bit clumsily put into his suit and but yeah you know and he but he's there and he's and and the stuff he says is quite clumsy it just sort of falls out like you look really beautiful but but it's sort of like so the animal the animalistic side of him is still there, but it's almost being sort of civilized, I suppose. And and it's I thought that was a really interesting way to to sort of signify their development as people because she's being allowed to be more free and sort yeah. of you know because at the start of the film you sort of think well she's sort of lost all hope on her life really she's not yeah, a little bit you know, yeah, she's given totally. up a little bit hasn't she bless her um, and yeah it's uh it's just really I thought that was quite a nice thing to see because when they're outside the the Met, like, there's that thing where you're like, okay, now they're sort of becoming who they're supposed to be. You know, they're sort of together. Yeah, they're bringing out the best they, in each other. They almost both didn't recognise each other. As yeah. Well. Like, yeah, when yeah. they were standing so close to each other, it took him a little time. Like, he was putting on, like you say, it was like he put on an old suit that he used to wear. Yeah, he, like, yeah. He used to be more suave and normal, and he lost yeah. it, you know, when he lost his hand. And he's trying to kind of trying to like rein that back again and yeah the bit, as you say when they're standing just outside taking the seats and he's just like thank you you're like i just love the opera and I love, you're beautiful oh, that was it's so, so like sweet. just clumsy and sweet yeah oh it is. gosh it was so, i mean yeah <laughs> that is really adorable but yeah it's also quite clumsy and quite uh yeah it's 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 like like somebody who's done this for the first time even though he loves the opera but he's obviously yeah. lost his way for quite a long time and yeah, just really clever writing, really clever, you know, and obviously he's, he's performed it really well. But um, That but, scene know. at the end of the opera with the dad, though, that is so funny. Oh, God. When they're just like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? <laughs> like, yeah. At the end yeah. of it, it's just like, oh, right, I didn't see you here. And he just like nods and walks <laughs> off. <laughs> It's so funny. It's so funny. Um, I thought the music was pretty fantastic in this film. Oh, yeah. It's by uh, Richard Heyman. I think he's done a lot of like Woody Allen uh, films, but it's he's like a really okay. cool kind of jazzy, swingy, loungy kind of music, yeah. isn't it? But I, mm-hmm. thought it was, I thought it was really fitting. I, th- I yeah. feel like I was... The circumstances of how I'm living at the moment, I didn't. I don't think I did this film justice. Like, <laughs> I feel like I rushed the viewing. Even though you can't rush a film unless you watch it on like right, yeah, point five. But I don't think like listening to you guys talking about it, I kind of want to watch it again. So when we do our wrap up, I want to see if I can feel a bit. Like, don't get me wrong, I still enjoyed it, mm. but, I, but I'm not on the level that you guys are at. I feel and it's I, a it's like a it's like a big glass of wine type film. It's like oh, it's I don't like, drink wine, do I? That's the problem. And, uh, it is, yeah, you do need problem, to right? chill with it. You do need to relax yeah. with it. It's not something. Yeah, I think because I'm 
I'm living at the moment. I have to rush through these scenes, animating these scenes. So I'm, yeah. I'm rushing through this film just to watch it, which, like I said, you can't rush it. But do you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, I know, I know exactly what you mean. What you mean. So, yeah. yeah. Like it's normally cause... when we, like when we did Fitzcarraldo, I watched three films. I watched video <laughs> essays. I read things. So I was really invested in that film, and I just like like I went onto the Wikipedia page for this, and there's nothing on there. Like I was like, oh, that's. I haven't got time to do any research. <laughs> but no, so, watch it again. I'll, no, I, mean, I, I think it, I will. Like, will just listening be, to you yeah. guys talking about it, it makes me more jazzed to watch it again. Mm. I really just, like, I guess we kind of coming to final thoughts a little bit, but one thing I kept on thinking about was, like, this was a $15 million film and mm. it's just a rom-com and it made $80 million and won mm. Oscars. Yeah. Like, that is... That is another world. Yeah, you, know, you wouldn't get that now. That just you can't. You can't get that now. Yeah, and you should get that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, you totally. Get that, that. And that, that just watching us, are like, this is I easily one of my favorite one coms I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it really so. is. Um, mm. I don't know how to. I can't rank them quickly, but you know, it's up there with Sleepless. It's up there with yeah. like when Harry, 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 Harry Sally. Harry Sally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's that Howard and I, Maud. Yeah, Howard and Maud. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was being legitimate then, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's like you say, you wouldn't get that kind of budget for just a rom com, and you should because people, if they're done well, people love them, you know. But they have to be done well. It's 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 more than just having flashy, you know, people looking like models or you know, it's Mm. and just you know. I don't know whatever tropes they have for a lot of rom coms, but but yeah, (laughs) it's more about just. The and heart actually, like, of it is so important. Absolutely, the heart. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And like, I think it's like this. You know, I was, did certain trying to do a lot of research for this, and actually, there was a lot of articles written last year in the um in the pandemic and the lockdown of people watching this film. It like, yeah. I think Vulture called it like the lockdown film. You know, um, and time. I think it was New York Times as well. Also, did another thing about how this is like been like. Um, a, a salve to loads of people in lockdown there's something about this film that has persisted for mm. for people and something that I don't know what about lockdown brought people watching this but there's something that people wanted this and and, and were attracted to it mm. and I think that that is a message to kind of Hollywood of like we want these films like we want adult we films like films. adult romantic dramas like yeah and, and comedies the people want that they do like, Absolutely, that's... and we need you need a feel good film that you can go back to. We need those mm. films that, when when the outside world is not going great <laughs> as it hasn't been for anybody for the past couple of years, it's like you need those comfort blanket films, and this is one of those, you know. And uh, yeah, and it's not <laughs> trying to be perfect. <laughs> so I'm being silly, <laughs> but yeah. So I think. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I can see why lots of people are watching it in lockdown for sure. Yeah, film. totally. Totally. I guess um any more final thoughts really? We're right at the end. Is there anything else anyone wants to say really? Uh, like I said, I mean at the moment I'm at a three, three and a half out of five. But like I said, I want to rewatch it because I I I don't think I did the film justice. But yes, yeah, so that's where I'm at. Fair enough. I was easily four and a half. I could probably give it five, honestly. I was just I was just I just all in on this. I well, was I all in on everything that was happening. Really. If you judge things on how, you know, you don't judge it against another film, you judge it on how well it does what this film's supposed to achieve. And I guess, like, you know, it, if it achieves everything that this film should achieve, then, yeah, then it should be a five. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, I'd say made, that. 
I'd say five. Made me feel. Like, yeah, it's just mm. yeah, I can I can go back to this a lot, and I again can't believe I hadn't seen it. Really, this is a film that I I definitely would have loved if I'd seen it before as well. So yeah, awesome. <laughs> right, <then. laughs> definitely yeah. a five from me. I just yeah, it's a lovely feel good film. Yeah, I'll watch it again and again. I'm sure. Definitely. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show again, Natalie. There you oh, go. thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Well, I'm sure we'll see you again on our next uh, yeah, decade. Definitely. Yay! Yeah, awesome. That's great. All right, so what are we talking about next week then? Oh, Leon. God, I haven't got a fucking clue. What are we talking about next week? It's 88, so what's that? Oh, it's, it's Woman on a Verge of Nervous Breakdown. Is it? Okay, yeah. brilliant. Okay, this is, so we haven't done a Spanish film before, and the, and yeah, so we, yeah, we're doing Pedro Almodovar's um, Woman on the Verge of Nervous Breakdown, which that should be interesting. That should awesome. Be I'm actually, I, I watched the trailer for it. I'm actually really interested to watch this. It, um, again, thank you, Natalie, for joining us. It's been a real pleasure, as always. Um, yeah and uh, everyone out there thank you for listening and uh, please don't forget to rate review and subscribe on whatever you listen to us on um, you can also reach out to us on twitter we are at adjust your track that's with a yr not a your and yeah don't forget if the picture's bad always adjust your tracking